the landscape is challenging. I mean, you can define provider status as anything. It can be like, um, you know, something as simple as, as MTM versus, you know, someone doing point of care testing or prescribing contraceptives. Welcome to the Becoming a Pharmacy Badass podcast, where we talk about how to diversify your revenue streams, increase your net income, and optimize your operations to create the pharmacy of your dreams. I hope you enjoy and subscribe. Well, hello there, everyone. Dr. Lisa Faust here with Diversify RX, and I have a wonderful guest today that we are going to be talking about provider status. Provider status is something that um, <laughs> kind of goes in cycles around in the pharmacy industry. I think we've actually started to make some headway, of course, with the COVID pandemic. Um, you know, one of the tiny slivers, you know, silver linings, if you will, is uh, I think pharmacists have, have gained some recognition and some status. I think sometimes, especially with our other healthcare professionals, I think there's patients that have always appreciated pharmacists. But um, Brian Hose, the CEO of EpicRx, uh, reached out to me and we wanted to have this discussion about provider status. So before we dive into that, Brian, um, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. And please introduce yourself and then tell people what Epic is. I, I mean, uh, you know, there's we have a lot of new people, new pharmacy owners, or there are people that just may not may not know who Epic is, even though you guys have been around for seemingly forever. Yeah, we, we've been around for a while, um, just celebrated, you know, 30 years. So yeah, I, yeah. I, uh, I am a uh, <laughs> independent pharmacy owner who is uh, just recently uh, in the last um, several months become CEO of, of Epic. Uh, we are a buying group um, uh, that also has a, their own PSAO and uh, has a, um, a compliance piece as well. So our, our footprint's around uh, 1,100 members um, between, the, between the three groups. And um, we we like to think that that we do anything to help make stores have an easier go of it. I know uh, as a single store owner, even uh, it, it's challenging to to keep all those balls in the air. And uh, we like to think that we do a good job of uh, helping stores uh, whenever we can to to, to kind of do some of those functions that are not necessarily uh, things that are, they're used to doing. So from negotiating contracts to helping them with uh, with buying and purchasing that kind of thing. Yeah, so I mean, a GPO is pretty self-explanatory. Most people know what that is. You you have buying contracts, help people buy better. Um, a PSAO, um, most of us in the independent pharmacy know that acronym, but essentially that's the contracting side where you help people with contracting and um, you make it a lot easier where, you know, people just give you information and then you go out and, and you know, give it to all the others so that they have their contracts. Um, and then another area that, that you guys spend a lot of effort on is, is lobbying and really fighting for independent pharmacy. Um, and so I really want to focus on, on that area today. And, you know, I mentioned earlier, we're talking about provider status. There's, there's obviously lots of things that we're fighting for in independent pharmacy, you know, whether it's against DIR fees, fighting for more transparency, you know, there's a lot of things out there, but I think that pharmacist provider status, it's, it's really actually quite amazing that, you know, Medicare doesn't, you know, recognize pharmacists yet, you know, but yet there's so many other mid-level people that they recognize as providers. And it's, it's certainly a fight. I think we will eventually win. We haven't won it yet, but go ahead and just give us a little like overview and update of, you know, the types of lobbying that Epic really does spend its time, money, and energy doing in order to help the independent pharmacy owner. Yeah, so it, and until I got more involved with that, I've always been uh, involved in their their pack in Maryland. So in, in Maryland, super involved. 
Um, but as we started to, to branch out and look at some of these other states, we didn't, I didn't realize how much we were actually doing. It, it's a, it's a lot of, a lot of resources that we put into it. Uh, we've got a new government affairs uh, director that's been with us uh, about a year now um, that has helped us to kind of coordinate all the states. Before it was, it was really just a hodgepodge effort of, you know, this state is doing a great job because they have this person who's, who's wonderful and they're, they're plugged in and they know what's going on. Um, so what we've realized is that we really need to do a better job of, of coordinating that effort, both, you know, internally and then externally with groups like NCPA that, that provide a lot of support federally. But I, I'm with you. I cannot believe that we're not in the list of people that's a provider. When you read the list in Maryland, it was like literally everyone that you can think of that touches something healthcare related is defined as a healthcare provider, except pharmacists. Um, and so I think we've, we've recently gotten that gotten that corrected, but then, you know, you can be a provider all you want, but if there's no mechanism to pay you, it doesn't really matter. So it's, um, it's amazing. You would think a good pandemic would, <laughs> would help with that, but uh, it hasn't been as easy. Even, 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 you know, knowing that the community knows what we do now, uh, where they might not have before, we're still having trouble in some of these states convincing people to, to codify into law the things that we were doing in the pandemic. Um, so I'm, sh I'm sure you've seen it as well. Yeah, it, you know, speaking of the pandemic, it's it's amazing that, you know, in an emergency, we're good enough, you know, to help out and, and we, the global we of pharmacists, um, but, you know, regular health, you know, it's like, oh, no, you know, we, we can't subject patients to you, you know, kind of thing. And it's, it's really kind of preposterous that, um, you know, that's, that's really the way the laws are, are written. And when the pandemic era, um, special resources, rules, laws, goes away um, in May, um, a lot of that changes for pharmacists, a lot of that goes away, a lot of the, the freedom, if you will, that we've experienced is going to go away. And, and some states have rectified that and said, hey, we're going to go ahead and make these permanent, but certainly not at the federal level has that happened. And like you said, with payers, you know, once it's not required to do certain things, many of those payers are going to back off very quickly um, from things that they might have been paying for. And, you know, there was a statistic that something like I don't remember the exact number, but it was like over 150 million doses and, you know, almost the, you know, the same amount of tests and things like that were all done by pharmacists and pharmacies, you know, during the pandemic. Um, and, and yet that it's, it's like that uh, application for that job, you know, wasn't quite good enough, you know, and it just, it is a little preposterous. So I'm really excited to learn, you know, cause there's NCPA, um, you know, they fight for a lot of things that are very broad. There's, there's organizations like PUT that are fighting, you know, for a very specific PBM angle. Um, and so I was really excited to learn of, you know, what it is that Epic is doing, because I don't think that there's enough organizations like yours, like you're not a typical, like NCPA is a nonprofit, you know, organization. They, they really, I always looked at NCPA as like their foundational benefit was like their legislative and their, their lobbying efforts. Of course, they do lots of other great things as well. Um, but, you know, a lot of the state associations and things like that, we kind of expect them to fight for us. And, you know, over my gosh, over 25 year career now, I've been repeatedly disappointed by, you know, those state associations and um, the like, at least in the states that I've been in um, for that. So it's so great to hear of companies like yours that, you know, you have a commercial interest in pharmacies, you do business with them. I know Epic is greatly involved with pharmacy owners. And, and I mean, you're a pharmacy owner, and you're the CEO. And I know, you know, the board and all of that is made up of pharmacy owners. 
but it's really nice to see that you guys are focused on that. So um, in talking about pharmacy provider status or pharmacist provider status, you know, what do you guys see as the current landscape? Um, that's not an easy question or an easy answer. No, it, it's <laughs> tough. So, so give us an update of what you guys are seeing. We, we, we are totally member owned. So we are there to serve pharmacies uh, that own us. Uh, they all have a piece of us. Um, it, the landscape is challenging. I mean, you can define provider status as anything. It can be like, um, you know, something as simple as, as MTM versus, you know, someone doing point of care testing or prescribing contraceptives or doing smoking cessation. It's, it's a, it's this vast array of, of, of definition. So it's really tough to, to say, and it, it really goes state by state. And in some states, we're, we're working with a lobbyist, we're pushing bills. And I'll be honest, most of our bills, because most of what our members care about the, the, the most is the bottom line, and that's PBM reform. So most of the bills that, that we're spearheading and putting through are, are PBM reform. Um, but we do work with state associations in some of these areas, or you know, some of our lobbyists are also doing this work where they're, they're working towards expansion of pharmacy practice. Um, and I mean, it, like I said, it can be lots of different things in lots of different states. And, and sometimes just a small victory of being able to, to you know, get an immunization bill that allows you to, to essentially prescribe an immunization if it's on, if it's on the ACIP uh, recommended list. I mean, that kind of thing can be provider status to, to pharmacies in that state because they haven't been able to do it before. Um, you know, what, what amazes me is at least in our state where we're fighting the, the old, um, well, your, your pharmacy technicians were giving vaccinations during COVID, but they're not really qualified to do that. We're only going to allow them to do, uh, to do one. So the only do, they only can do immunizations for flu. That's the only one they're qualified for. It's like, you literally are doing the exact same thing hundreds of thousands of times. And, you know, it's, it's identical. Um, but it's, it's, it's amazing that we still have those types of discussions anytime practice expansion happens in any state. Um, so I say that, I say it's a patchwork quilt with uh, with uh, provider status. I'm with you. I'd love to see something happen federally. I, I know that we keep seeing federal legislation. We keep seeing it fail. Uh, we're, we're starting to see um, more of our uh, organizations work together in a collaborative way federally. So my hope is that that'll gain some traction. Uh, I think we're going to be stuck with this patchwork quilt bit for a while, um, but you know, never, never uh, give up a chance to to use something like a pandemic to to, to get some some traction there. And my, I hope that that our federal organizations are able to do that. Yeah, and I think what COVID showed, and you know, there was monkeypox, and it's just a matter of time before the next thing comes. So why would we not? build up the pharmacist army, if you will, and keep them involved in patient care so that we're even more ready, you know, the next one comes. Like, to me, it's just logical, but obviously um, politics and law doesn't always work logically. And, you know, one of the things that I've learned, so I don't practice pharmacy anymore, but I've owned pharmacies and I, I of course, am inside the industry. And so where I currently live right now in Texas, uh, I think it was two years ago now, pharmacists got provider status. And I was like, that is awesome. Like, makes me want to practice again, you know? And then come to find out, it didn't really change our scope of practice. It was really kind of funny. So when I was, at the time, I owned a pharmacy in Texas. And so I'm talking to my pharmacist and, you know, and he was telling me about the protocols for vaccines and like, we need to get them renewed. I'm like, but we have provider status now. Like, didn't that change? And it's like, 
No, you still have to have a protocol for vaccines. Like Texas still requires you to go out, find a doctor, have them sign your protocol, and then you're okay to do vaccines. And I was like, wow, there just seems something incongruent there. Like you give us provider status so we can, we can actually build Texas Medicaid as pharmacists for a wide variety of services, but yet I can't give someone a flu shot without having a doctor say, hmm, yeah, yeah, you know, you're good. I'm, I'm going to give you permission. And, and so provider status, I think means, like you said, it means things to different people. Whereas in some states, you don't have provider status, but you have very broad scopes of practice. And, and so it's like, well, what's more important? Is it, you know, a status or is it scope of practice? And, you know, it's this weird Venn diagram probably in there where it's like, I want it all, you know, it's like, we want our broadest scope of practice. You know, we've been PharmDs in, in this country for a really long time now. Um, and, you know, it's like, we're billing payers, they're, they're paying other healthcare professionals for services. So why not pay us? Um, you know, my personal soapbox that I'll get on is I think the best thing that could ever happen to, to pharmacy is for them to separate our reimbursement from our dispensing, just like, just like a doctor, a doctor doesn't get paid different for an office visit, whether they give a shot or they do something else. There's like the office visit. And then there's all the other things that were given in that office visit. Same thing with a pharmacy, like our reimbursement for our professional services should not matter whether it's amoxicillin or it's a hep C drug, the drug is the drug, like let's reimburse the drug and then let's have the, the visit, the pharmacy visit. And we can then modify it in all the different ways that we need to modify it based on what that visit looked like. And, you know, that would, that would be my dream state if I could, is just drugs are drugs. Those are going to get reimbursed, but then, you know, we're professionally reimbursed just like every other professional out there, like you mentioned. Um, and uh, that would be my dream. But anyways, off the soapbox, um, and so, yeah, so we're left with this patchwork. We're left with this patchwork, not only of provider status, so it's very uncertain how pharmacists can bill for services. And there are ways that pharmacies can get contracted with medical plans or contracted. Sometimes it's just local, uh, you know, depending on local plans there, or maybe they're partnered with the doctor and they can actually bill for some medical services. And on top of that, there's this patchwork of scope of practice. You know, you mentioned prescribing birth control. Uh, you know, sometimes it's ordering lab tests or interpreting lab tests. Some states, the pharmacist can order the lab test, but can't interpret it, you know, and those kinds of things. Like there's, there's this really interesting patchwork. Um, do you guys have any resources that you point people to? So if somebody's like, hey, I'm, I'm an Epic member, or maybe I'll consider becoming an Epic member. You know, do you guys have any resources to kind of help um, wade through that muck of figuring out what's what in each state? Yeah, again, I mean, it comes down to, to keeping keeping things like a spreadsheet of each state as to as to what it is and and, and where it goes. And, and you know, as an example, in, in Maryland, we we can we can do point of care testing, and you would think that that would mean clear wave tests, which is how it is in a lot of states. But our our state has limited that to very little, very small list. So it's oh yeah, you can you can you can be a lab, you can do point of care testing. Oh, but you can only do these four tests. And again, like you said, I mean, you you're not qualified to interpret ones that, that might be more complicated, even if they're clear waves. So it's it, it's challenging. I think that I think I'm I'm with you in that that perfect world where we've separated the the product from the um, the service, but 
we, we've been giving away the service for so long now that it's very difficult to, to convince people that they should they should pay us to do something that they know we've been doing for years just because we care about our communities. And um, I think that's that's going to be the toughest thing for us to overcome in, in all of these scenarios. But you know, certainly anyone if they if they want to reach out to you know if they're an epic store, they're interested in being an epic store, want to know what we're doing in their state, want us to help them navigate it in, in their state, we certainly can. We have a we have a clinical pharmacist on staff here that that's. Um, that's positioned to help folks that, you know, want to start programs like this or want to get involved. I, I don't want to miss the opportunity to mention CPSN. Um, those folks are doing great work trying to, to find ways to get pharmacists paid for, for services that they're providing. And I, I think that, that that's another avenue for, for provider status. It doesn't have to be uh, a legislative fix if there's ways that you can get paid for, for things that you're already doing by contracting with payers. I think they're doing a wonderful job of, of kind of expanding that network locally and making sure that, you know, they're, they're maximizing the relationships that pharmacists have. Um, yeah, you're, you're dead on. You, you don't actually need provider status to bill. Um, I mean, I've seen that and been a part of that in many different ways. It's, it's up to the plan, especially now if it's a federal plan, that's where that falls under the, the, the Medicare rules. But once you switch to the private sector, it's up to a plan who they want to pay. And um, there are plans out there that will pay pharmacists. Um, I know Blue Cross Blue Shield of Texas, um, in, in Texas, they will pay pharmacists for, for uh, performing those duties. But then it's not as easy. Then it's a whole different world. And it's a whole different language that pharmacies need to learn. And that's that's another tripping point, if you will, because it's, you know, right now in our PMS softwares, you know, you submit a claim, you get this, you may not like what you get reimbursed, but, you know, you know, right away, you know, the NDC, you know, what to bill. Once you flip over to that service side, it's a whole other different language of medical billing. You don't get instant adjudication. You know, you're sending off bills, you've got to collect co-pays and, you know, it's just a whole different world. And so even if you can get paid, a lot of pharmacists don't have those ability. And that's where understanding EHR and getting connected with, um, I, you know, I'm glad you mentioned CPSN. There's other um, companies out there. Um, I know Scripted, I've talked to James over there. Um, there's more companies out there, I'm sure that I'm even not aware of that are working on this, that are trying to help build that gap because there's a gap there. I don't think there's a gap in knowledge in, in what pharmacists know, but there's just a gap in like the workflow and the operations for how to do that, that I think um, there's a, there's great opportunities out there for, you know, people to go solve that problem. And so, um, and they're all kind of solving it in different ways, which I think, you know, gets us to that end point quicker. You know, if we're all attacking it from different different ways, I think hopefully in the long run, um, it'll make that shorter, shorter long run, and we'll be able to get there quicker. So if somebody is interested in maybe learning more about Epic, whether it's through your buying group, your PSAO, or, or your lobbying, at lobbying efforts, um, how can they, how do they reach out to you? What's your guys' website? What's the best way to contact either you or the, the, it is a great team over there at Epic. Yeah. I mean, I certainly reach out through our website, uh, epicrx.com. Um, they'll, they'll get you in touch or, or, um, 1-800-965-EPIC. Um, certainly, you know, we can, we can help navigate you to the right place. Um, I, I really think uh, pharmacists are a resilient, creative bunch, and we will figure this out, <laughs> whether it's uh, through the front door or, you know, through some side entrance into provider status, we're going to figure it out. Uh, it's just, it's going to continue to take time and, and people being, you know, dedicated, willing to talk about it like you are. Uh, willing to to make that effort in their state legislatures and um, and on the hill, I mean, we're going to have to we're going to have to work at it. So, yep. And the my advice to anybody listening to this is: don't wait on provider status. Don't wait on a payer to approve. 
there's, you know, one thing, one good thing that has come from the patient side, I think, of the pandemic is there are a lot of people in our communities that are willing to pay for services that they want. And so there's many pharmacists out there, you know, that are doing testing or doing different um, clinical services and they're charging cash for it. And that's okay. You don't need provider status to do that. You don't need a payer to, in order to approve you. Um, you can go out and start doing these things and just work locally with your, with your patients. And if you provide a service they want, they're going to be willing to pay for it. So don't, you know, let's fight the good fight. And let's not wait to win it before we actually start doing some of those things. And um, who knows, you might impact the right person in their life positively that has power that maybe you didn't know they had. And they might be able to help us along that way of, you know, being able to bring our services to a broader audience. So, well, thank you so much, Brian, for, for joining me and, and for all the work that you guys are doing over there. I know you've only been the CEO for a few months, and I hope you have a very successful and long tenure and good luck. I mean, you're still a pharmacy owner. <laughs> I know how that is when you're doing multiple things and you're still a pharmacy owner. So uh, good luck over there in, in your pharmacy. And uh, any, any last words for anybody? Just, you know, in the, in the words of one of my favorite pharmacy professors, it's not a sin to make money. It's okay to charge people for a service they want. And if you're going to provide that service, it, it's okay to charge them for it. So we've got to get used to that fact and uh, we'll get there. I love that. I might steal that. So thank you so much, Brian. And I look forward to chatting you again and probably seeing you at some uh, different trade shows. Absolutely. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. And if you found this content valuable, here are four ways I can help you have a more profitable pharmacy for free. One, join my free group at lisasrxgroup.com. Two, get the latest strategies at diversifyrx.com forward slash blog. Three, watch helpful videos at lisasyt.com. Four, hit that subscribe button and please be sure to leave us a five-star review so we can help more pharmacy owners and bring those insights back to you. Becoming a Pharmacy Badass is proud to be a part of the Pharmacy Podcast Network.